I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. We get the script, and we have to, and we have to read the uh, next day. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my cold reading oh, you didn't want to see that. <laughs> you might want to give me some time with the script, but you didn't want to see that. And, you know, that would take a while. <laughs> so what I did was I went home and I memorized the entire thing. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is the first time you're tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in this crazy industry, and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. And today is very special because it's our 100th episode. That's right, 100. Um, I, I can't believe it. You know, I started doing this when we were in lockdown in 2020 just because I needed something to do. And I thought, well, you know, I know a lot of actors and I know we all have bad audition stories, so might as well just make a thing out of it. And here we are 100 episodes later, and I am so happy that you all have enjoyed listening to the show as much as I enjoy making it. It's it's really fun and I love meeting people and I love talking to fellow artists about, you know, everything that they've gone through and the ups and downs of their careers and laughing at our mistakes because it's important to laugh at your mistakes. And um, I've just, 
I've really enjoyed this. So thank you all so much for supporting us through these 100 episodes. Here's to another 100. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful and I love you all so very much. To celebrate our 100th episode, today we have someone that I admire so much. He is an incredible actor, incredible person. He's done over 100 stage productions, which is honestly just such a wild number. I can't even wrap my brain around it. You may remember him from Fargo or The Seven or Winning Time, but right now you can see him as Abraham on the hit television show, The Bear. Today we have Edwin Lee Gibson. So here's our conversation. And welcome to the show, Edwin. <laughs> hello, hello. Hey. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Um, it's hey, really, I think you're such a fantastic actor and I can't wait to talk to you about everything. But before we get into the stuff that's, you know, the most current things going on in your uh, beautiful resume, I would like to go back to the very start and ask, why did you get into this world? <laughs> I started acting, well, I got into acting when I was 12 because that's where the the girls were. Mm. That's all I really cared about. Uh, Smart man. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Well, uh, I always knew, I, want, I always thought I wanted to be an actor because of what I'd seen on television, but, but that was like, oh, well, two birds, one stone, right? There you uh, go. But I... But I um, I began to take it seriously when I was uh, 14, mm. and um, I started. I got my first paycheck when I was 16, and I've received at least one paycheck a year since then. Amazing! Yeah. Wow. So um, uh, um, I just became. I'm enamored with uh, with a language, mm. and. Uh, I'm a stutterer, as you can probably tell. Mm. Um, but where most stutterers would run from language, I ran towards language. Mm. That's beautiful. I became, yeah, I became more and more curious about speech patterns and what mine did. And then these people in these worlds, well, they must have a pattern of speech. Let me try to figure out what their pattern of speech is. Mm. And so it really kind of became kind of a mathematical kind of thing which is which is ironic because I actually studied mathematics in college I've never I've never formally trained as an actor no way no um, uh, my year and a half in high school was all the formal training I've had um, yeah wow that's incredible <laughs> that's really amazing um so I wonder how did how did acting and and finding your voice through performance help you with your stutter? Did it did it work in a certain way that maybe you know a speech therapist would be like, hey, this is a brilliant thing to do? Well, you know, I go back to my dad, who was a garbage man, who probably didn't know what he was saying to me, but I was at we were at dinner one night. I was must must have been about six years old. And I had a really intense stuttering block, and I said, oh, forget it. And my dad said, no, say what you had to say. We'll wait. Mm. Oh, your voice is important. Oh. And he probably didn't know what he was saying. He was just like saying, like, you know, speak up for yourself. Mm. But, but I've always taken that. And so all the fights I had in school were because the bullying about my stutter did not bother me. 
Mm. So, wow. uh, um, so I think I go back to that um, on the subject of the speech therapist. What really piqued my curiosity was she told me that I process thought at five times the normal rate. Oh wow! So the misnomer I think about stuttering is that you can't get your words out, and in actuality, it's really about how your brain processes thoughts, like an entire thought at any given time. I've got five complete thoughts of how to respond, even even now in, in speaking to you. So I'm doing all of this uh, internally and uh, picking and choosing. So when you think about that in the context of what an actor does, I think it's given me a tremendous advantage um, also keeps my muscle working and keeps my uh, imagination going. So it's so it's been kind of this uh, love kind of um, uh, thing with language. It's like uh, mm. uh, uh, um, uh, I'm constantly battling battling with with language because I because I love it so much. That's so interesting though, because one of the things that you you know, work on as an actor and that you, you want to be able to convey when you're portraying these characters is that internal thought process. So what a gift to, to have that, to be able to say, no, I do have a thousand things happening in my head at once. And so it, it must make the performance even more realistic and natural. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm listening and I'm hearing something like I come from the theater, of course, uh, and uh, even after 103 um, productions, you know, mm. I'm still like each night I'm hearing something different. Mm. So when I come back the next night, I'm never, I mean, I never think an actor should do the same show every night. No. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> there's no, there's, I mean, uh, uh, where's the fun in that? But, uh, <laughs> but, but. <laughs> But for me, it's a necessity because uh, I actually hear something different. Then I try to let it go, and then the next night, in the moment, you know, I'll hear that plus something else. So there's something always different that that actually surprises me in um, the articulation of the character, of kind of what the character needs on this night Mm. or in this moment. Uh, That's such a special gift. It really is. Yeah. It's like it's a yeah. gift as an actor yeah. to be able to do that and to let go and not have these preconceived ideas of I need to do this at this certain point other than, you know, blocking and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But to be able to respond in such an honest way, I mean, that is truly a treasure. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, uh, uh, you, you use what you have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. You use what you have. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know how you got into acting professionally. I mean, I know you said you've been doing it since you were a teenager, but what was that journey like for you? Were your parents supportive? Did you do it right out of high school? What was it like? Well, here in Houston at the time in the early 80s, um, there was a program nationally called um, uh, CETA, Mm. C-E-T-A, I think it was, and it's where it gave kids jobs Hmm. um, during the summer 
I was fortunate enough, well, I was fortunate enough to be part of a group of high schoolers whose job it was to act during the summer. Wow. We worked nine to four, Monday through Friday. Wow. And we rehearsed and performed uh, two plays a year during the summer. My so, goodness. So I was doing that. Um, I was, those were my, my first two years uh, mm. of uh, getting paid. Um, and that's really where it began. So I count that as my uh, uh, professional career because I was working. Yeah, you were getting you know, paid. If you got a yeah. check, that means you're professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was um, uh, it was of uh, a minimum wage, but we worked, and uh, I learned what goes into that work in the theater uh, from first rehearsal to auditioning, or well, from auditioning to first rehearsals to. Uh, tech rehearsals and how long those are actually even uh, then. And so um, that's where it began. Wow. And you've done, like you said, 103 theater productions, which is yeah. just a, a wild number. I can't even wrap my head around that. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing. And I'm wondering, is there, is there a particular protect production that you were a part of that you you felt maybe the most connected to as an actor or as a person? Oh, I like to think that I've been really connected to them all. I mean, uh, I don't remember every single one, but I, but when I'm reminded of certain ones, hmm. every now and then I actually count. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That one and that <laughs> one. Uh, but uh, most recently, um, I got to, uh, well, I was asked by the late, great uh, Peter Brook mm. to come and join his uh, theater company in uh, Paris. Wow. So I moved to Paris and I worked there with, with him. He just passed last month. Um, uh, oh. Anyone that knows Peter Brook knows that he's in our tour of the theater. Um, the uh, Mahabharata that he created for, uh, it was in, in, uh, and uh, in our production, that he scaled it down to a movie that he shot in the '90s. The original Lord of the Flies oh, wow. um, is what he did, and um, and like I said, he asked me to join his theater company in 2017. Mm. Um, that time was really great because you're already in the throes of your career, of course, mm -hmm. but then you realize that there's someone, well, that there's still more to learn. And to oh, be so there with him in the room and learning from him uh, after an Obie Award, uh, after all these other things that I've that I've attained, that that actually mean well. I always say that in bus fare was going to get me on the bus, uh, <laughs> but, but but those lessons, you know, that I was able to come back with, and then I, when I returned, I returned to play uh, Dick Gregory in a solo show. Mm. At, arena stage so um, I think those two those two experiences in particular uh, most recently yeah. were um, they stand out even when I think about everything else I've done over the past uh, well I tell you how many years that I'll age myself but but then my response is going to be this is how it's supposed to look yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, so uh, 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 I've, been in the, I've been in the theater 41 years. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's truly incredible. There's so many people who, you know, who want to be in theater that long and who try to be in theater that long. And the fact that you have been able to sustain a career mostly in theater, I mean, that's, it's, well, yeah, the roller coaster of, of the course. ups and downs. Yes, but course, I mean, it's incredible that 41 yeah. years later, you're still able to get on that stage and you're still booking. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. You get to the point, like, when the uh, Dick Gravy piece came in, uh, it was offered to me over the phone. So a lot of a, a lot of things that I get or that I've gotten in the last 10, 12 years are just like kind of phone calls or there are mm -hmm. meetings that are just formality. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the great uh, Jack Doolin, uh, casting director in New York, and, 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 or used to be a New York Theater, New York Theater Workshop where I worked a lot, uh, he called me and was like, Edwin, where are you now? I was like, I'm in Paris, Jack. He said, well, there's this great play. Turn Me Loose, it's about Dick Gregory, and your name keeps coming up. Wow. And I wasn't, I didn't know anything about the show. And so I came back and uh, did that. It was, it was such a wonderful experience. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm wondering, when did you start doing um, television and film? Was it, has it always been kind of weaved throughout, or was there a certain point where you were like, maybe I'll try doing this too? Yeah, it, it was always weaved in and out. I um, I guess I come from this era of uh, actors that say that they are theater actors. I'm a theater actor. I do theater. Um, I always loved uh, TV and film as well. It was just really about how to exercise my muscle differently. Mm. And so I guess over the past 15 years, I started to do more TV and film work, and um, that started to become more um, <laughs> now. And uh, I had one of my former students, uh, I was uh, uh, the co-theater program director in uh, a conservatory in New York City for about nine years. Wow. And about um, four years after I left, I had one of my students tell me, you know, Mr. Gibson, you're really, really great in the theater, and we all know that, but I, th but I think more people need to see you. So I, so I think you should really consider TV and film. And now she was like a senior in high school when she told me this. That's oh how she God. articulated it. But that's so <laughs> sweet that she that she recognized your talent and said, everyone needs to see this. Not just the people who are local who can pay the price of the the theater ticket. It's yeah. everyone needs to see how, how brilliant well, you are. And, and, and she articulated it that way. And I'd always felt like I wanted to, but then... I was like, okay, well, let's just let's just dive headfirst uh, into this more and more, hmm. and um, started doing that. And then, when did um, Fargo come about for you? Oh wow! Uh, in 2020, I went to uh, Arts Emerson. I was doing a play at Arts Emerson, and um, you know, you get these requests for self tapes. Mm -hmm. And my manager told me that I had auditioned for I'd read for Fargo a couple of times, but I didn't remember there's so much stuff that happened. But this one particular <laughs> role I read for uh, one night after a show, I came back and I put it on tape. And um, 
didn't hear anything. And then after the show closed, I was on my way to Los Angeles. Uh, and I got there. And two weeks after I got there, I get a call that, you know, uh, we want to cast you in the role of a happy uh, in wow. Fargo. And then the whole COVID hit. Oh, wow. So the week before I was supposed to go out and shoot, they they said we have to cancel everything. Uh, I had a feeling that L.A. was going to get crazy. So a uh, very dear friend of mine has... Um, theater colleague of mine has a a studio in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm. Uh, Shout out to um, uh, um, 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 Western Michigan uh, University. Um, But uh, I went to stay there just to kind of like get away from everything. And then (laughs) I went from from there to Chicago to shoot. But it really came about because I just read for this role and um, I didn't realize it was supposed to be a, a big guy. Mm. And, but I, well, or maybe I did realize that and I said, well, I'm not a big guy, so let's make this character as big as we can make him. And they mm-hmm. saw it and they, and they uh, decided to, uh, you know, uh, to cast me, which is very, very kind. It was a great, great experience of, of, of Chris Rock and I got along just, just like that. Um, uh, uh, he, he, he called me uh, tough acting, ten acting. That old, that old, that He was like, you know, I gotta get me some of that good acting in me, <laughs> like you got. <laughs> you can imagine him saying that. I um, can literally uh, hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but he and I got along just. Uh, famously and just like that. Um, so it was a really, really great experience working with him and uh, Jason uh, Schwartzman mm. um, as well on that. But uh, just great, great time. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. And you're currently on what is one of my favorite shows right now, which is The Bear. Um, It's so good. I loved Jeremy (laughs) Allen White in Shameless. 
and I was so excited for this. And then when I tuned in, it obviously wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was expecting. And then when I tuned in, I was like, holy crap, this is like the most realistic show that is about a kitchen. I mean, it's so realistic and the characters are so well-rounded. And mm -hmm. I want to know what your process was of, of getting that role and also what it was like on set. I mean, I can imagine some of the stuff that was happening was probably improvised as well because y'all are just yelling at each other so much yeah yeah um, uh, luckily uh ibrahim doesn't do so much of that uh, <laughs> but, it was, but it was fun to, to like watch them and um uh uh, uh jeremy is such a really cool uh young 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 cat a uh, really fine actor really really a uh, yeah. great person um uh, giving uh, he and um, uh, Evan and Io and mm -hmm. um, um, and um, Lionel who plays Marcus and my my dear friend Liza Colomzeas who plays um, Atina. She and mm -hmm. I go back to New York theater together. We've known each oh, other wow. for about well, I don't want to age her, so I won't tell you how far <laughs> back we go. Because you know, um, uh, 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 Liza will call you up and say, "Hey, man." So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, uh, um. But uh, what happened, it was really interesting because uh, uh, Christopher Storer told me that he had seen me in the theater in Chicago and said he always wanted to work with me. Wow. And then I show up uh, reading for the role. And what's funny is that um, when I got it, I wasn't going to read for mm -hmm. it. And then my manager was like, I really think you should. But then I couldn't find a reader. So I sent the audition in as a mom, as, as a monologue. No uh, way. Really yeah. And uh, then they, they called back and said, we really like what he did. You know, can we have him find a, a reader and send it back? And so I did. And then had a zoom meeting with, um, uh, um, uh, with Christopher and, uh, Jeannie hmm. Baccarat, who's the uh, the uh, casting director, mm -hmm. um, and um, and that's when Christopher told me that he had seen me in the theater and always wanted to work with me. So wow. that was really really great. But um, a lot of improv, a lot of uh, of improvisation. But I think what was so magical about it was the actor's ability to really stay on script even when that happened, and. Hmm. Um, uh, those of us like uh, Jeremy and myself who like to adhere t t t to the script. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, how you know, I am too. I'm like, I don't want to do improvisation. Please let me give me no, the words. Well, 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 no. Well, you know what's funny is that you know, I come from uh, an improv kind of background. I used to write sketch comedy here in Houston at the comedy workshop, uh, uh, and I even did stand up for about seven and a half years. I wow. moonlit as a set of comic while I was doing theater, so I wouldn't have to have another job. So for a while. People in the comedy world, very few people in the comedy world knew I was a straight actor. Mm. And very few people in the theater knew I was doing stand-up. I was a road comic. You were like you know, a Superman. A uh, you know, so I, so that, so, so I've got that ear. Mm -hmm. But it was so fun to watch them do that and, and, and still understand what the story was. And you, you asked about the, uh, um, well, I think you mentioned 
the unexpected. Um, yeah. It was unexpected to me when I saw the pilot. I have to say that it wasn't on the page. Right. That speed was not on the page. Hmm. And that's what I really looked at. That's what I was like, wow. When I saw the pilot, I was like, wow, that's what was happening. Yeah. Uh, it's not that they sped the camera up at all. It's just that we were working in that way. But Christopher and Joanna had a really great idea of what, they, of what, of what this pace should be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. and how it should move and how realistic it, it should be. And so it's also a great exercise in um, 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 listening. Uh, 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 I very rarely call myself an actor anymore. I think I'm a listener now. Uh, yeah. uh, I like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was really, really great to just watch them and to listen and to be engaged with that. Um, it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any sort of um, training in the kitchen prior? <laughs> well, Ayo and Jeremy did. I did not. Um, um, and that was fine. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in the kitchen watching um, uh, um, Maddie, though. Mm. And um, uh, Coco, um, uh, um, uh, Courtney Store. Mm-hmm. Who's a I'm, a I'm a Christopher's sister, so I I learned a lot there, but I didn't go yeah. and train. Mm. Um, but there is, but there's a secret. I don't know if I should. No, no, I'm not going to mention <laughs> the next season. Darn it! Oh, almost got you to spill the second you're season. You're good. Uh, <laughs> you're good. Wow, how did she do that? That's a flux well, right there. What That's I a flux love. Right there. Thank you. What I loved about your character is that these like intense situations would be happening and you just pop in with like these one liners and be like, blah, blah, blah. And then just like leave. And everybody would just be like, what just happened? And I loved that your character almost, cause you're so in it and you're so present, but I love that he, you know, provides a little bit of this, this relief within the crew, you know, within all of these people. It's, it feels like, like the way that they've set your character up is very much so not necessarily the father figure, but kind of the one who's like the level headed one and just says, this is what needs to happen. And then moves on. Yeah. You know, that took an incredible amount of trust because Christopher and Joanna just kind of set me on my own and they didn't really do it. And they really trust me. And as long as I've been doing it, I'm still the kind of actor that's like, okay, what do you need? Mm. And obviously I was giving what they needed because they weren't giving me anything. And I was like, well, you know, I hope I'm doing my job here. I hope I'm earning my keep. <laughs> uh, um, but then you watch it, um, and I've only watched a little bit of it. I haven't watched the series since it's come out. Um, so um, good. Um, um, well, I saw the episode, I saw the first two episodes at the um, uh, premiere, and I saw the um, uh, rough cuts right before mm. the premiere. Um, but uh, it was just really um, about trusting that they knew what they're doing. Sometimes as actors, you can get yourself ahead of things mm. or try to join into something like that, a banter, mm-hmm. and not understand where your character sits. Yeah. And I think I was able to understand that, and I think um, uh, that helped a lot. Uh, and and I've hopefully 
there was this frame of this person that was that was that was there that that folks I were mean, able to see. Yeah, I think I think you did a brilliant job, and I I think that that cast you all felt so relatable and so real and so connected, and so it was a really it was a really beautiful show to watch just, you know, not only as a viewer, but as a, as an artist, it was, yeah. it was beautiful to see that connectivity between you all. Yeah. Um, well, the, the main thing that, 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 that I wanted was I wanted people to watch and say, okay, they got these actors, but where did they find this guy? Mm-hmm. They got this guy that like off the street and put him in the show. So that's <laughs> what I wanted. You know, I wanted him to kind of feel like that. You know, yeah. like it was someone that uh, that you might see, or, but but uh, you didn't think was an actor unless you looked at the credits. Yeah, I mean, it was so real. Your portrayal was like spot on, literally spot oh, on. It was it was so <laughs> good. You you achieved what you wanted to achieve for sure. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> Uh, well, on this show, we like to share audition stories. Those can be uh, funny ones, embarrassing ones, the one that got away. Is there one that you would like to share with our listeners? I'm going to go back to that time, that first show in high school, you know, when I was, mm. I was getting paid. Uh, it was The Wiz. Oh, and, yeah. And my stutter was so pronounced. But everyone knew, oh, he doesn't stutter when he's acting. Uh, but we get the script and we have to, and we have to read the uh, next day. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my cold reading, oh, you didn't want to see that. <laughs> you might want to give me some time with the script, but you didn't want to see that. Like, you know, that would take a while. <laughs> so what I did was I went home and I memorized the entire thing. Wow. And when I came back the next day and I was reading, I was auditioning because because we all come in together, but then you audition for parts and blah, blah, blah. And I had the script turned to a whole different part of the script. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I had memorized it. But if I was looking at it, it wouldn't have been a good thing at all. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so I was cast as the... Uh, um, uh, um, uh, I was cast as the um, um, uh, um, uh, Tin Man in The Wiz, and I was the only principal that was not double cast. Wow. So. Fancy yeah, man. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, uh, so uh, I still, I still remember that one. Um, uh, one that got away. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you the story. I read for. Chicago PD a few years ago, and uh, Eric LaSalle had just come on as executive producer. Uh, mm-hmm. People that don't know Eric LaSalle, a uh, really fine actor, um, the first uh, coming to America, um, uh, played uh, Sherry. Yeah. Sherry um, uh, Headley's um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, boyfriend. But also did what was that show uh, that the uh, a doctor's show that he was on? I forget. But um, I feel like there's so many doctor shows. <laughs> ER. ER. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, he's a very very fine actor, but he was executive producing Chicago PD and um, really did a great job with that. And and I was one of those moments that you're just tired as an actor, and I'd come to Chicago to read for this and. Um, 
I didn't do a very good job in the room. Mm. And I was walking out and I hear the voice say, uh, excuse me, man, uh, can you come back? You know, let's just do it again and, you know, let's just try it, blah, blah, blah. And now here I am, very experienced actor who was very, very embarrassed about what I had just done in the room. And here's this cat that saw. Mm. He saw. He saw it. Mm-hmm. And asked me to come back. And we did it again a couple of times. And by the time I got downstairs, I had the role. Wow. And so um, I think there's a kindness that people in general, and I think sometimes actors, don't realize that's being uh, given to them. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as 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 an audition story, I just think that story uh, about just how kind of an act that was. Yeah. Um, and being able to kind of see what someone's capable of doing, and I was just I was I was I was just tired. I was just drained. Yeah. You know, you're auditioning and this and that, and things may not be coming, and you just get in that in that kind of foggy place. And that's where I was that day, not other days, but that day I was. Mm-hmm. And that uh, generosity that he extended to me is something I still, uh, I uh, consider uh, from a time to time. So uh, yeah. that story, or that, that. That, that, instance, that, that moment meant, meant a lot. No, I love that. I think that's, you know, it's, like you said, it's it's draining to do as many auditions as we do a week and then show up and do all the stuff and then, you know, actually have your, your own personal life. And the if you have a survival job as well, it's it's a draining career path. Well, yeah. but it's a draining right. career scared. path. Yeah. I mean, it's you can be playing someone with severe mental issues one day and the next day you're supposed to be this happy-go-lucky person and your brain can just be like... I'm done. I'm tired today. I don't want to do this right. Like I want to do this, but like I can't. And so to have that person be so kind, like you said, and, and to see that there was more there, I mean, that's really a special moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being kind. Um, I mean, I always say if I get the part, it's got nothing to do with me. And if I Mm -hmm. don't get the part, it's got nothing to do with me. That keeps me kind of centered. But a moment like that, of that kindness, um, is something that's beyond. Yeah. You know, that's that's a lesson that's beyond what what we do in the art. Mm-hmm. So. So, what is next for you? You have the Bear season two coming up, but what yeah. else do you got going on? Do you have anything else in the works? Um, yeah. Um. Uh, um. Uh, I'm. I'm writing. Um. I've just been nominated to, for the Sony Writers Program. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, uh, I've been writing for about six, seven years, and um, um, so I'm working. Well, so I'll be, I'll, I'm, I'll be uh, submitting another script, and you probably know about that, that. That that's something that you can't apply for. It's a nomination only kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That yeah, program. that's amazing. Um, um, I'm also writing a solo piece for 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 a film as well. Mm. It'll be like a a, 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 a ten minute film, uh, oh, wow. but just but just uh, one actor. I love uh, that. In it, uh, um, what else? Um, um, there's a 
series that I worked on when I got back from the bear called Un Prison. Mm. And that stars Kerry Washington and um, uh, Delroy Lindo. Wow. And um, I'll be playing, uh, I played his, his old friend from the joint. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and uh, her, the guy that she calls Uncle Fox, because that's, you know, his character's name is Fox. Cute. So I think that's going to be coming in uh, at the beginning of 2023. Amazing. Um, yeah, and hopefully um, another season on um, uh, the uh, Lakers show, uh, Winning Time, because I think yeah. that uh, this past season as well. So, yeah, some irons in the fire and uh, just moving along. I'm here yep. at uh, National Wellness Week at uh, Be Busy uh, Wellness Center here in Houston, uh, Old high school buddy of mine from the drama club, Norman Mitchell, started mm-hmm. this whole thing. So I'm here at this thing, and I'm I'm actually in one of the uh, rooms, uh, <laughs> one of the examining rooms. But yeah, you know, you, you know, you know, but you have to make it work, right? Make it you got to make it work always. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But those are what's coming up. And smoking cigars. And smoking cigars. Yes. Smoking cigars. A good That's my yeah. I like it. You found what what keeps you happy in the in the interim. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, I've so enjoyed having you on the show, um, and really I can't good. wait to Thank see so everything else that you do because I think you're such a special actor, and um, I've just I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me uh, so much, and um, our connection that was kind of interesting too, right? How we. Yeah. Were- uh, we were connected. That's that's a very very interesting. So, it is funny. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, shout out to uh, that and uh, and uh, congratulations to you on the um, the um, uh, the uh, new uh, the new digs that uh, you have at a uh, realm. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. See, see, you didn't see, you didn't think out. Aha. See, I know thank what's you. happening with you. Shout <laughs> yes, out we're to very you. excited. And yeah, I'm sure you are. And uh, really, uh, congratulations. I, I think I listened to about five of your shows before oh, wow. this. And I was just like, wow. I, yeah, I can't wait to to. Uh, oh, thank chat. you for listening. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Coming on the show, um, we had such a great time. And I, I so enjoyed him. If you haven't watched The Bear, I don't know what you're doing. You need to go watch The Bear like ASAP because it's probably my favorite television show of the year. So go watch The Bear. Tune in next week. We have Kaden Mueller Jansen. She is from the new Disney television series called Villains of the Valley. She's so adorable. We had such a great time. And um, happy 100th episode, everybody. We did it. 100 episodes in the can. How wild is that? If you're not subscribed to the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us some love. And as always, thanks for coming in. Anna Sheridan, New York Times bestselling author of Supernatural Horror, missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Is the compass broken? Or did I turn to the compass? Given the circumstances of her disappearance, someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierced the veil, so to speak. Weak radio signal. 
700 meters. Closing fast. There's no place for ghost stories and close encounters in this investigation, or any other. I need you to find me. Of course. What else would it be? The Shared Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms.